0: off your device that's soberlink.com forward slash t a m and let accountability be your guide welcome to another episode of the addicted mind podcast My name is Dwayne Osterlund and I'm your host, and I want to throw out some stats before we introduce this guest. Earlier this year, the CDC reported a staggering 107,000 overdose deaths in 2021. One every five minutes, up almost 15% from 2020, close to 70% of those deaths involve fentanyl and really America is in the midst of a new drug crisis. And one that our guest is going to talk about today, Sam Quiñones, has been sounding the alarm about for years. Now, Sam is a journalist, a storyteller, former LA Times reporter and author of four acclaimed books of narrative nonfiction, including New York Times bestseller and national book critics circle award winner, Dreamland, The True Tales of America's Opiate Epidemic and National Book Critics Circle Award finalist, The Least of Us, True Tales of American Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth. And I can't say enough about this book. It really captures the devastation of this new epidemic of synthetic drugs, but at the same time, offers a lot of hope. And it was great to hear how Sam wrote this book and what he got out of writing it. And really getting to his message that he wanted to share with all of his readers. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you get a lot out of it. And if you are so inspired, I would definitely encourage you to check out The Least of Us. It's a great book and really says some important things that we all need to look at and hear, especially when it comes to this crisis of addiction. So before we start, I just want to say thank you for the incredible reviews that some of you have left about the Addicted Mind podcast. That really does mean a lot to me to to read those reviews. Uh, it's inspiring that the Addicted Mind podcast is is helping a lot of people out there. So. I really appreciate everyone who's done that. And that really does help the Addicted Mind podcast get found by others who can get a lot out of this information. So if you've written a review, thank you. If you're thinking about writing a review, please go and do it. I'd really appreciate it. And think about joining our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast, click join and continue the conversation online. All right. Stay tuned for this episode. All right, everyone, welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is Sam Quinones, and Sam, I'm, I'm so excited that you're here to talk to you about your, your latest book, The Least of Us, and let's just jump in and you want to introduce yourself and, and then we'll talk more about this book and, and go into all of it.
1: Sure. I'm a journalist, uh 35 years. Uh, I've worked for several newspapers. I'm now a freelance writer. I've written four books. The last two were uh Dreamland True Tale of America's Opiate Epidemic, came out in f- 2015, and The Least of Us, which came out on hardback last year, and paperback in November of 2022.
0: Right. And as we were talking earlier, I just finished the 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 Least of Us today. And I have to tell you, reading your book was really scary in a lot of ways, a lot of heartbreak and tragedy, but also mixed with some hope and and possibility as well. And so can you just kind of go in a little bit about what made you decide you wanted to, I mean, I guess, write Dreamland and then write this book and what drove you to do that?
1: Uh, I really had had come out of been living in Mexico for a lot of years and came to the LA Times in 2004 and watched the drug war break out after that. And I was down in Mexico between cartels and so on. And I began to, along with some other reporters, focus on what was going on in Mexico. And the first thing I actually ended up doing was was writing about heroin, how people how it seemed like there were a, a much larger market for heroin. Right. I didn't understand why that would be because I thought heroin was an old drug of the past. And and I wrote about the guys in my first, in Dreamland, the guys who sold heroin, black tar heroin, very much like pizza delivery. And then along the way, I began to realize that the reason they had such a big market or a growing market was because of this opioid revolution in pain management in American medicine. And that was a real revelation to me because i was living in mexico during all that and i did not know anything about it i had not heard about it it was and and so i began to realize that this was a national story that no one was really writing this story the way it needed to be written and in a kind of a comprehensive way and that was what dreamland my first book in 2015 came out it was about and then along the way, as, as Dreamland unfolded and, and as I began to speak about the book, I began to realize that we we're in a totally different new, we're entering a new phase at that point during those years in which the trafficking world in Mexico had kind of taken over for the drug companies as the yeah. source of supply and that they had now switched really away from plant-based drugs towards synthetic drugs, drugs only made by chemicals. And this was transforming almost everything we knew about drug use, drug profits, drug manufacturing and smuggling, drug treatment, drug addiction. Really these drugs in the quantities and the potency in which they were able to be made really were transforming everything. And so that became the the other the next book, although the truth is that a lot of that next book, the least of us, was also focused on the the issues that that were fo- that dreamland focused on, which was rebuilding and recovering community because the, it was the shredding of community, the isolation in American culture. I felt that was at the root right. of what of all of this and of course trauma and of course a kind of a you know the the intensely marketed addictive stuff that's legal uh, as well. all of this is kind of part of this very large story again, if you're writing about this you end up writing about america it seems to me and that's kind of the what what the last two books have been about
0: yeah you really capture that where you you see these communities just kind of falling apart and then here we have these easily accessible opioids you know you talk about the Sackler family and and all that and Purdue Pharma and how they supplied this to this devastation of this of american towns and american cities falling apart and how that drug just came in, and then th- th- that scary part of that synthetic part of it is just it's it's overwhelming to be able to hear and and to read that and to read these stories of these yeah, I think of these part individuals. Of it is
1: too. That that in Mexico there's almost no attention paid to this topic. It seems to me, and much to the detriment, much of the damage of Mexico as well as the United States. And so what you have is just uh, unrelenting ingredients coming through the ports in Mexico, airports in Mexico city and so on, but also the shipping ports and so on. I mean, it's just remarkable how many of those ingredients are coming in and just in the quantities they are coming in. And, and this is really allowed for the production. This is a supply story in my opinion, very much. And it's, it's about how with Certainly with synthetic drugs, you if you have the ingredients, you can make the supply all day long. There are no seasons anymore. And so what you're seeing now across the United States, much of that is due to the fact that this is a supply story and the supplies are just simply unrelenting because the trafficking world down there has access to these chemicals. And so you see record overdose deaths, you see methamphetamine creating... Horrible uh, symptoms of, of mental illness, schizophrenia has nothing to do with psychosis all across the country, homelessness, et cetera. And all of that is really kind of a function and a whole lot more is, too, of just the supplies that are coming in from Mexico over the last several years.
0: Yeah, and and it's just so available, so easy to, to, to make and, and to yes. provide. And then, you know, when you have pain, hurt, and this is an escape and it's there – you know, people more apt to maybe try that, and then all of a sudden, these synthetic drugs are so addictive that it just scoops people up, and and you yeah. really capture that in your book. You you capture that devastation of these of these very you know, one of just innocent people who get caught into this, and it just destroys and ravages.
1: I really all believe this is a, it's a, a tr- story of supply creating demand in a lot of cases, or or yeah. transforming demand. A lot of people were addicted to heroin or pain pills, were effectively transitioned in a passive way to fentanyl, and uh, a a lot of people looking for a, a break away from fentanyl Turn to this methamphetamine so cheap and, and, and so on. And then, of course, a lot of fentanyl is, is laced for one reason or another into cocaine or methamphetamine, sometimes you yep. even dusted into marijuana. Now you're seeing pills that are coming up that look very much like prescription opioids. And people are believing, in some cases anyway, certainly younger people are believing that that's exactly what they are and they get addicted. And so a lot of them die, in fact. And, and so all of this, it to me feels very much like what benefits trafficker this is all about what benefits traffickers in mexico it's not really a response per se to demand for no 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 heroin addict ever wanted to be addicted to fentanyl using right. six, four five six times a day and with every shot risking death
0: yeah yeah, absolutely. What was it like, you know, you capture so many personal stories in, in your book of these individuals and, and talking to them. And what really, as I was reading it, what what I was really thinking about was you and, and talking to all of these people and, and getting their story and, and really capturing their humanity.
1: You know, I, I have a an approach to journalism that is very much that way, that really believes that you, in order to bring out a story to readers, you have to have faces, have a, a human tales that, that illustrate them. If you can do that, it becomes very powerful. And if you can't, the story loses its, its, its power. And so I, I focus a lot on trying to find the stories, the human stories that illustrate some of the larger themes that I'm trying to to get across about how people get addicted but then also a lot of the of the least of us is about how the stories most closely associated with some of these characters are are about how people are rebuilding a community in their towns in their in their areas and doing small things i think really a lot of the message i think of these opioids and the the whole addiction problem we've had for the last numerous years the lesson is we need to get away from the idea that we can solve all our problems with one big magic answer and that it really gets down to social change is best achieved in small ways small efforts daily efforts not giving up constantly working at it in the smallest ways possible not expecting to change the the world in some noble way you know and so a lot of the stories that i wrote were almost like in reaction to these very toxic influences of fentanyl and meth and just the synthetic era of drugs in, in general and it was about how people were in the in the smallest way trying to put together just make their communities their towns their streets their the life of somebody a, a little bit better and i i think that is really the reason i did that is because i really do believe that that is the message of the of the opioid era, the, the addiction epidemics that we've been having is that the we've just gotten away from that so much, and we're we're so isolated and we so believe in magic answers, and if we don't get a magic answer, then nothing will do, and so we don't try anything you know and so this was really my approach to to journalism in general though is to try to always 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 find the human face, find the character that whose story is just so powerful that you just have to read it. And that's kind of the way I put this book together as well.
0: Yeah, you really feel that in in some of these stories of of the doctors who are starting out prescribing this and become addicted to it themselves and how how it just all collapses around them, but also at the same time sharing that that message of hope, but it's it's hard. One hope. I mean, it's. I think you paid a very sure. realistic picture of the devastation of addiction and the challenge to to get out of
1: it. That, well, it I think that's to, that's that is the idea that this is we've dug ourselves a pretty deep hole by believing yeah. a lot of un, unrealistic things, like like one tool will cure all human pain. You know, that tool being the prescription. Yeah narcotic, painkiller, that kind of thing, we've dug ourselves a, a lot, a big hole. And so I I, I want to focus on, I want it to be realistic, the story, the, the the idea is to be realistic and not kind of some Pollyannish idea of, of how we would get out of this. But I do believe, like in the case you mentioning of uh, uh, Dr. Lou Hortensio in Clarksburg, West Virginia, who was a major prescriber of these pills, thinking he was doing the right thing got yeah. very got a lot of people addicted got himself addicted lost his license was investigated lost his license and then fascinatingly enough i think became the first person in his county to publicly embrace recovery yeah and and a very and and not hide from it and then went from losing his license and being a doctor to being a pizza delivery guy because that's about the only job he could get and not being ashamed of that, and in fact, actually relishing and, and luxuriating in the job that, where he didn't have to call patients late at night and 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 work the hours he had to. You know, I love Lou's story, and he ends up being this real force for recovery in his community, very public way. Now he manages uh, and runs the the local homeless shelter in uh, in Clarksburg. He's also on um, a variety of volunteer boards and this kind of thing. Very publicly, what I loved about his story, uh, there was a lot in his story, that, that but a doctor getting addicted to his own drugs, very common problem in this country. But also, I loved his story because he publicly embraced sobriety and re- recovery and, and didn't hide from it. And I really believe, too, that that is the way forward i think no more anonymity no more hiding behind euphemisms and stuff just be what you are say what you've done say what, and and embrace it and people will come to the idea the very very profound idea that we all all of us can be that addicted doctor or that addict eating from the trash. We all have that brain chemistry to allow for that to be possible. And the more we treat it as a, uh, without euphemisms, without inventing new words for, for what's going on, the more we talk about this bluntly forthrightly, just as Lou Hortensio has in Clarksburg, West Virginia. To me, that is, that's a profound idea and one that, that I think you can apply to almost any town or county in the country.
0: Yeah, you you kind of share that in the book, too, the stories of these towns realizing they have to get out of the shame that comes with addiction, that old idea that this is something that we have to keep hidden or not talk about or keeping it a secret or under the table and how these towns kind of have to come to grips. Like They have to look at this in the face, go forward, talk about addiction just like that. Otherwise, we're going to be lost as a a society, as a culture. It's so easy
1: to fall into the silence. I really believe that was what caused a lot of this problem to spread so much was that so many places in the country, people just didn't want to talk about this and were ashamed of it. And I think nowadays, inventing new euphemisms for addict and addiction and so forth, I think, hey, confront it, talk about it very, very bluntly, very upfront. And people will under come to understand and everybody make public their story or as many people can make public their story. So we all know that there's this this is a something that every human being it can happen to almost any human being out there. And I, once we do that, you know, once we lose the anonymity, I know that Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous, they have they have points to those words being in their name. But I really believe the time for anonymity is passing and and it's a very healthy thing to to everybody just be you know say it very. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm a recovering drug addict. Whatever. Yeah. And 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 have that be you know. It's like I'm I'm recovering cancer. I'm a cancer survivor. Uh, I'm living um, with with AIDS, HIV, AIDS, whatever. I I mean I, I just think it's so much healthier for us all. Once right. once that kind of language is used and and very commonly and 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 forthrightly in this country because we've gone so long, just hiding it. You know, we used to talk about that way the same way about cancer. And, uh, and yeah. now, now don't say anything.
0: Don't say the C word.
1: <laughs> right. All that kind of yeah. stuff. And I just think all of this is very common to, to human life and, and be upfront and, and lose the anonymity, lose the silence.
0: Yeah. And, and as you were talking, I was thinking about how, you know, in doing that, that it embraces our humanity, it uh, braces what it means to be human, what it means to be alive, that all of us have this capacity, like you said with with especially some of these drugs, they're so potent any of us if you if you have a human brain can fall victim to 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 addiction and yeah. and we have to have a voice about it um and in that stigma so we can talk about it, face it head on and i I think in your book, you know, you watch these transformations of that happening. And, and that was what was really hopeful to me was, was to see that these people taking that up and facing it and kind of realizing we have to just go directly to this and we have yeah. to act with kindness and compassion and do these small acts of kindness to, to lift us all up.
1: No, I think that that's kind of one of the themes of this, book, but also one of the themes of this era is kind of that that's kind of the way we need to, to, to approach this. And that also, you know, we're out there, we're not just confronting this toxic synthetic dope coming out of Mexico in such ghastly potency and such scary, relentless quantities. It's also that we live in an entire culture of addictive stuff, a lot of which is legal, you know? Yeah. Fast food and social media and pornography and gambling and video games, and you could go on and on and on, on, on. And I think that that, too, is understanding that in order to be free of of this stuff, we need to understand that we're facing it, number one, and number two, that we have the ability to make choices to not participate, not buy fast food, not not gamble not participate right. in uh, pornography or video games or whatever. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we can do to say we're not going to participate in what these very, very potent marketing forces are badgering us to use constantly, other products to use, just like any dope dealer would be.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, another point in your book that I, I love, too, was how you intersect that corporate world and the drug world, and how, like you're just saying, that these really intersect with each other. And that was a really powerful message.
1: I thought that that was, it kind of had occurred to me to do uh, during the Dreamland book, but it was very end of the book, and I didn't have any time, nor really did I have much space to do any of that. And, and so I, uh, with this book, though, I wanted to Make that connection that I thought is very, very powerful and, and strong connection in our culture today between all the addictive stuff that is legally legal and legally marketed to us in outlandish, outrageous ways, in my opinion. Now you see, for example, all these gambling apps on sports shows and, and sporting events. And so I just can't believe that we allow that. I just think it's outrageous, honestly. Especially when we understand the neurochemistry of it.
0: Like it's almost like a lot of these individuals or companies or whatever you want to call them are exploiting our very own neurochemistry.
1: And I think that that's the case with so many companies today. I mean, I think sugar, uh, you know, high fructose corn syrup is added to a lot of things. It seems to me not unlike maybe Fentanyl, which is added to cocaine and methamphetamine and all the rest, you know, it seems to me like it, the idea is to keep you using, to keep you graduate you to to a higher d- dose, that kind of thing. Which is what the Sackler family did with with uh, OxyContin, just start out with small doses and badger doctors to can- continually up the dose of all their patients. You know, That just seems to me that there are these connections. But th- the other truth is too that I find very liberating. I have to say, is that when you know of these connections. When you understand the brain chemistry, which is kind of what I was trying to describe in, in The Least of Us, when you have this brain chemistry, you understand it, you also can become kind of more master of your own fate and your own life. And you can be kind of a freeborn American again, is kind of the way that I've put it yeah. in the past, where you just, you can say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to buy that soda. Sorry, that soda and all that plastic that comes with it. I'm not gonna. Buy, I'm not gonna go gamble. I'm not gonna buy. I'm gonna eat plant-based foods. I'm gonna eat foods that are not processed. I'm gonna stay away from the middle of the of the grocery store. This kind of thing. Once you begin to understand that all that stuff is there, marketed yeah. in this vast and very very aggressive way towards us, not unlike a dope dealer not unlike the Sinaloa drug cartel in my opinion then you have this ability to say okay i think i'm going to b- do what i'm i'm going to make i'm going to analyze my options and make choices that don't involve these very very powerful forces in our economy that are illegal and addictive
0: yeah and and i i think that's with that awareness, I mean, it almost becomes like a social battle.
1: I <laughs> almost like this oh, war. Oh, it absolutely does. Oh, that it has absolutely. to. Absolutely. Every day, every purchase is like you saying, how am I going to be a freeborn American again? I really believe that. It gets to things like plastic too. I believe, you know, buy the stuff that comes in bottles. You know, reuse your bags. I do this a lot. I it, it Doing these books kind of transform my approach to how I buy stuff. Illegal, he of course, in the grocery store and various other places. I try to do my very best to get away from addictive and crappy and non-nutritious products and away from plastic as best I can. It's very very hard. It's not possible entirely. I don't believe, or it's that's very very difficult to do it. But at least you are doing, making your effort to move in that direction, and that's really another thing that the 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 addiction epidemics and all that i've written about in the last 10 years taught me which is that we all have this is about social forces but it's also about what we can do individually at the most local individual level which is understand what's good for us and and you know exercise is good for us not being on social media all the time is good is good for us eating fewer or very few processed highly processed foods, on and on like that. Exercise is so important. All of that is really kind of where you start to begin to make and be your own a free American. Because we are, as you say, it's really true, Dwayne, every day is a battle. We are inundated with this. It's a massive toxic soup we live in. And far on the outskirts, is the outskirts of the drug cartels in Mexico. They're not the most important in all this, I don't think.
0: Right, it almost it, it fills you know me with a lot of anger, and I, I imagine like uh, one another thought I have is I'm just wondering like as you dig into these books and you do these interviews, this has to change you, I would imagine. This well, I has mean, to- it's
1: given me a lot to think about about how I live. I would say too though that that there are a, a lot of people I meet along the way that I'm very honored to have met. Lord is one. We mentioned him earlier and, and, you know, guys like that just, you know, it's some can be overwhelming to see some the humility, what they've been through. I've also seen people who have had so many strikes against them that you wonder how they ever how they ever right. survive at all. And you you're not surprised when they are really, really having a very hard time, given all that they they've lived through in their lives, this kind of thing. You know, it's also people, uh, like I mentioned in the book, that was kind of one of the main threads of the book, Angie Odom, a woman in eastern Tennessee, who, in my opinion, lived out the credence of, of Christianity so powerfully. And I'm not Christian, but I also view journalism as an opportunity to change my mind or write with respect. About people with whom I have nothing in common, very little in common, except uh, maybe humanity, I guess, basically. And and yeah. so with Angie, her story is such a powerful one of this, you know, the, the, trying to help this one, this young lady, this woman ends up, she's trying to help, ends up with kind of a vegetable, basically, yet pregnant, yeah. and uh, the baby is brought to term. And Angie, I'm on. I don't want to give it all away because it's yeah, a powerful it's story. A, but it is, it it's is kind of like an embodiment of what. Jesus said in the Bible about that: "What you do for the least of these, my brethren, you do for me." And to me, that also became a theme. I'm not a Christian, as I said, but that became a theme of this book. It was very hard to get away yes. from the idea that that one of the things the ep- epidemic of addiction is treating is teaching us, I should say, is that Jesus was so correct in that, and that that was that was such an important idea he was trying to get across. We're only as strong as the most vulnerable. We're only as strong as the, the least of us. Right. And, yes. and so to me that was another idea. But but again, once you begin to delve into these issues, it becomes far more than just drugs and addiction. It becomes about deeper things I began to realize and was not expecting because I didn't start out that way. I just these things come to you as time goes on. And and you talk to enough people, and you see enough like situations, and and you you're in enough yeah. places, you begin to understand how this is about some very, very fundamental things like how what is happiness, and how do we achieve happiness, and how is pleasure and happiness different from each other? You know that kind of thing. All of these topics are are very. Deep and and I was not ready for them. I guess too. I have to say it took me a while to get my mind around all that. But but I do believe that that's kind of the, the 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 root of all this. The the root questions are all are all deep philosophical questions when you get down to it.
0: Yeah, I couldn't imagine you know going and hearing these stories and hearing the suffering that people. Have gone through, and also the the amazing people that step up and help or, or change their lives and help others. It, it really connects to that deep, I don't know, that deep space within us um, that is. Yeah, a it did
1: with deep me connection no of
0: our humanity.
1: Yeah, it did with me. There's no doubt. I mean i I was expecting this to be a the first book to be all about just drug companies and heroin traffickers from Mexico. That was it. And then I began to realize, no, this is about a whole lot more than that deeper stuff about, again, the shredding of community, rebuilding community. If we want to work our way out of this and rebuilding it in small ways, don't expect some magic answer. As one guy said in The Least of Us at the last chapter, in The Least of Us, he had a a company, small little company, employs a few people, but that's the way you move ahead. You have one company and another. And on his wall, he has this saying, nobody's coming. You know, as yeah. I, it's up to us. I found that very healthy and yeah. and and powerful. And but but when you get down into it, that's again, as I say, this is these are some of the the themes that you're left with when you write about this for long enough. It seems to me it gets away from the superficial stuff. Is all about and, and important stuff. Is all about drugs and addiction and all that kind of stuff. Very important. I'm not trying to belittle it. I'm just saying that the that down below in there the uh, the roots of it all are tangled up with a lot of very powerful stuff that that maybe people don't normally associate just off the cuff with with um, with drugs and addiction all the time
0: yeah you know it makes me think of you know i think when we get to that space it's it's that acceptance of that deep suffering that we see in in humanity and it, it can be there it's it's a it's a deep pain but the, at the same time there's there's a will with it i don't know if that makes sense there's a will to sure. do something different there's a will to to make change even with the acceptance of how much pain and suffering is is there in yeah.
1: oh sure and in I, I think that that when you do that again it's like you become a freeborn American again. You yeah. you become and, and and I've seen this with recovering addicts. I, I just uh, love the stories to watch the, those stories because they're very much like, you know, what they're very much like a raw material. They're very much like fossil fuel. You know, from decay, you get energy. Emerges energy. You know. Yes. And I think companies, by the way, in in counties around the country, you know, who understand that if you can transform that person into away from dope and into a new new person, you get a huge jolt of energy and creativity and gratitude that I think is so important in all this. But but again, the, when, when people make that change, can make that change, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And it, it, it automatically, I think, really helps, not just them, but But the community around them as well, you know, that that people begin to that person's no longer just looking to, you know, rip off the manhole covers and sell the metal for dope. That person's now looking for ways of being part of a community of uh, 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 taking advantage of this second opportunity at life and maybe also being more creative and energetic in, in the way he or she approaches the opportunities they have.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Sam. I want to thank you so much for writing this book. I I just, I think it's such an important piece because it really makes us look at this from this this. You know, I don't know how to. You capture it in these small stories, but then you capture the big view through the small stories, and I think it's just a, a critical piece of work, and would encourage anybody, you know, everybody to, to read it because it's, it's information we need, need to know about ourselves, our culture, mm-hmm. and this war that we're in that you, 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 you know, I, I can see. And, you know, I do the Addicted Mind podcast. I'm talking about addiction all the time, but you really captured this in a, in a way that really changed some of my thinking about it and, and seeing it from sure. this this really broad perspective. So I'm, I really want to thank you for that. So I'm going to cool. encourage everybody to, to get your book.
1: Thank you very much, man.
0: And so, okay. So before we're getting close to our time here, so before we end, I would love to ask every guest, just one question. And yep. if you could say something to someone out there who, who may be suffering from the impact of this, of addiction, uh, the opioid crisis, all of this stuff, and you could say one thing to them. What, what would you want to tell them? What would you want to say?
1: Oh, wow. The, well, I would say the, the country needs you to make that change. The country is watching you and and needs you to make that change. And that you can help yourself and your country by moving in a different direction. Maybe that's one thing I would tell somebody who's, who's really battling out there. Because I know so many people. So many people are. But sometimes I feel that so often addiction is about just you're so involved in yourself. And I think so often it helps to understand that fulfillment in life comes from thinking about how you can make a difference beyond just yourself. You know, yeah. your town, your county, your church, your school, your college, whatever. And and that, that that is how you move forward when you find something beyond yourself to be uplifted by and fulfilled by.
0: Yeah. We need you. If you're out there suffering, we need
1: you. Yeah, I'd say so.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Sam. How can people find you? How can sure. they get more information about you? Yeah, and-
1: my, my website is just my name, samkinjonis.com. One word. I'm on Facebook, samkinjonis. Oh, shoot. What is it? Journalist. Okay. And on Instagram, Sam Quinones underscore author and all my books are available online at anywhere you want to look and they're available uh, hardback paperback ebook audio uh, audiobook etc etc and so I'm happy to hear from people I'm very easy to find and contact with by design on the web so feel free
0: awesome and I will put all the links in the show notes as well at theaddictivemind.com Sam Thank you so much and just uh, for coming on to the podcast and just sharing your wisdom and your passion.
1: My pleasure, Dwayne. Thank you so much for the invitation. Great to be with you.
0: All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, all the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com. And there you can find links to all of Sam's books. So go check that out. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed this episode, please click the subscribe button in your podcast app or share the podcast with a friend. All right, everyone, have a wonderful day. And I will talk to you on the next episode.
2: It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves.